0: hola friends it's sarah may and this is an episode called trivial couple fights and it's for getting stuck in battles of technicalities it's basically how to tr- stop those trivial couple couple fights that involve a lot of Extensive talking and debating and they're all kind of based on semantics and clarity and they're pointless and they seem to last forever. This one is for Matt. I hope you enjoy. So this is kind of a follow-up to the last week's episode which was about better loving. And this one's about a modern condition that many couples are suffering in greater and greater numbers. The stupid arguments we get into with our awesome significant others over stupid trivial little things revolving around... Communication and blame. And in all of my episodes, as in this one, there are three parts: the what, the why, the how, and that would be the tools. So I'll put my references to my reading in the blog version of this post. Let's do this. The what? The court battle of technicalities. What does that mean? Endless arguments with your significant significant other fought with details. Who said what, who's right, who's wrong? What I meant when I said that thing? No, you said that, which made me say that. You always do this. Can we not? Please, can you just stop this stupid fight? You're the reason it started. You said I was like this when I was trying to not make you upset, and then when I was really saying, etc. Culturally, we have a tendency to want resolution. We think that talking things out, feeling things out, is the truest path to happiness. And in a lot of situations, that's totally true. But in these particular situations, breed of conflict. It's a ruse. There's no real heart behind the exchange. It's a battle fought solely in the brain, and the brain activates the corresponding emotional baggage as a result, which leads to escalation and time sucked from your perfect life. Hours and days that should be spent happy are stolen by lengthy, pointless debates, and you end up going in the same loop, like you both get caught in a maze, and you keep going through the same long roundabout route that leads you back to the beginning. You never get out. And Isn't this the worst? Don't you hate this when it happens to you? It usually conjures feelings of hopelessness and frustration because you just can't seem to figure out where the door is. You're using all the right tools and you find yourself back at the beginning again and you hate coming to this place again and again. So I've been noticing this particular kind of battle this court battle of technicalities, is something that's happening a lot lately. It's happening to a lot of couples. And they occupy so much time, and they're always about something small that gets misunderstood or something that gets under our skin. And we call it out in a way that we believe will lead to a simple resolution. But then a lengthy debate ensues. And it always involves semantics, language, and clarity of communication, So these types of lengthy debates always start with some sort of small negative emotional reaction. And it's one that conflicts with what the other half of the couple believes is warranted. So it's almost like a couple's court of, you hurt my feelings, or you should not have done XYZ. And so both of us are looking for a final judgment of who has to pay the guilty sentence. the other. So we're looking to relieve ourselves of unjust guilty sentencing or we're looking for somebody else to apologize. So a person feels hurt by something or a person is hurt that they have been misunderstood and therefore they are trying to write the record. And so this discussion usually has one or a combination of these ingredients. A request for clarifying something A reaction to a communication that was felt as negative or unloving. An explanation for why that was not founded because the real motivation was a positive one. A misunderstood comment that requires clarification, which leads to another emotional reaction to the request itself. The discussion now escalates. An explanation of many times, of the many times that this person acted this way or should be perceived as good. A calling out of the conversation being obnoxious, which also escalates. One person feeling they have been not heard and that the discussion should be simple. One person explaining that this is a repeated discussion followed by more tedium and hopelessness that they are now trapped in a repeated discussion. One person wishing there was a button that they could press that would remove them both from this discussion altogether because now they are distant and they wanted to be close. They just want to be loving, or be understood, or feel love from their significant other. Which brings me to part two: the why. Well, these types of fights, these little loops of uh, nebulous maze conversations, they're kind of new. They're generational, and they all stem from our the over dominance of the egoic mind. What's that? Your thinking brain. And this thinking brain remains on for much longer now for us because of the way we live our lives. How our attention lives very much outside of our body for a large majority of our waking life. We live in a time that is never in one single place. We have social media and we have a constant connection to others and other time zones and other places via the internet and our phones. So our focus is often split. We're never fully here now. We're asked to be many places all the time. So we end up being in a permanent state of distraction or partial thinking in some other time. So a part of our attention is stuck in our brain, computing, recalling, remembering, anticipating, updating, sharing, checking, and we're never fully possessed by the present moment. And with that, a big disconnection occurs, a disconnection between presence and immediacy and us. So we just lose the grounding in ourselves. We lose the ability to be quiet in our minds, and the ego then takes on a whole lot more power and control. And we kind of live in this half version of ourselves that's always out of balance, chattering noise, thoughts, narrative, nonstop analysis is kind of the background. So I'll give you some context to understand how this is different than you, the whole person. Your egoic mind is like the calculator organ in you. It's a part of your body that computes and labels. Part of you that should turn off around 8 p.m. and stay off until about 8 a.m. in times you are in rest and relax mode. Rest and relax mode is when your body regenerates and your blood and your heart slows down to get you ready for sleep. So the mind is, the egoic mind is not reflective and it's not the voice of your highest self. It is the mind that chatters actively and can drive you, the real you, totally crazy. It, I, I'll call this dominant egoic mindset the lawyer. So just like a lawyer proving a case, the ego relies on comparative definitions, so by nature it wants to strengthen itself. It craves anything that will reaffirm its own logic. Hence, our burning desire to be right. Your inner lawyer takes over because it's a system designed to protect you from pain. The pain of feel, feeling lower, or worthless, or undeserving of what we have, or guilty. We, we all know that feeling of, I'm a fraud, I shouldn't have what I have, everyone is better than me. And the flip side of that feeling is, I'm amazing, I'm so good, I'm so right. So when you are possessed by an overthinking brain, you will probably be in one of the two. I'm so right, or I feel terrible about myself. Because usually this state is set to on throughout the day. Your egoic like mind is operating because we need it to work. And then it shuts down at the end of the day when our cortisol levels naturally drop. So right around 637, depending on your diet and your sleep schedule. That's when you might notice that if you have a sore throat, it goes away during the day. And when it comes back is usually around 7 p.m. at night, because that's when your cortisol levels, aka your fight or flight, has gone away. It's giving you increased ability to function during the day. It's helping you run fast away from threats. So if your mind is overactive, it never stops. It never fully stops. And it happens this imbalance happens when you stay mentally stimulated all day and through the night. So if you're not sleeping all the way through the night, maybe you wake up quite a bit and you can hear your brain talking, that is a sign you have an overactive mind. And with that, you are stuck in likely a permanent state of stress response. So your brain is naturally going to get more chattery in times of high stress. And if you find yourself not fully shutting down, like if you have noisy chatter in your brain when you wake up in the morning, that is a sign you need to disconnect earlier from your devices and you need to practice something that quiets your brain, like meditation. It's part of what contributes to overactive mind is keeping yourself connected to things that shoot blue light into your eyeballs. Blue light is what comes out of devices like iPads and iPhones and computer screens, and it stops your body from producing melatonin, which is the sleep hormone. You're telling your eyes it's daytime outside. And If you're doing that right before bed, your body clock is thrown off. It keeps you active. It's saying, stay on, it's daytime. I'm going to take a little brief intermission from this topic to just give you a little explanation of why sleep is so vital. It's like a shower for your brain. It sends fluid through your brain to rid you of toxic proteins that lead to things like Alzheimer's. You get clear in the head when you get a good night's rest because the waste is being cleansed while you sleep. It's also when you wash out or even out all of the noise, all the non-relevant stuff from your day. So when you wake up from a very deep sleep, the background chatter, the noisy egoic mind, that noise is gone. It's only reduced to the important memories from the day before. So it's almost like your brain is sifting through what's important, making those connections stronger, and then the non-important stuff falls away. You get a much lower tolerance to coping with things or being able to see what is unimportant in your life when you are in a permanent state of on because your brain chatter is out of control your ego is still on and you are in a weakened and therefore small view of what is important in your life because altogether your sleep is when your reflective brain everything is kind of filed into what's important and what's not so when you're sleepy, you have a cognitive disorder of focus, attention, and concentration. Altogether, it's vital to being the real, empowered, kind, kind, and non-ego-driven version of yourself. So being in stress response mode, this stressed out fight or flight mode, it's a survival mechanism. I've talked about it before on other podcasts, but when your brain is it's designed to protect you from a threat, and it sends all of the blood in your body to your extremities so that you can be extra on, like run. It's like an adrenaline rush. Your brain is protecting you. By nature, its mission is to help you avoid pain, including the pain of feeling guilty in an argument. The other mindset that can take over in an argument like this, I'm going to call the mindset the child. So if you had a lack of love and attention in childhood, For example, parents that were incapable, depressed, or made you feel invisible, you will often develop a belief that stems from this, which is you rationalize that you must be misunderstood. Otherwise, this person would give you the love you're asking for. So as an adult, if you had parents like this, you will continue to explain who you are and try and clarify to this person, thinking that they just didn't understand where you're coming from it's almost like the expectation is that eventually they're going to say, "Oh, I understand. I didn't understand what you're saying before, but that makes so much sense. I'm sorry and I love you." So for the child with a parent that is depressed, they can't tolerate the idea that the parent is incapable. So the instinct is to believe that they just didn't know. They just didn't know you needed love. So, you will compulsively try and re-explain again and again in a clearer way the same exact point to your partner and it doesn't really make sense that they're not apologizing "Oh, just be must be that i didn't they don't get where i'm coming from they just must not understand where i'm where i was hurt this is also a symptom of people that are controlling because you you want to make them feel a certain thing you need them to understand you and see you and not be mad or upset So these are the two languages that we are operating with in this situation. One person is operating from old emotional baggage, the child. The other person is operating from the ego or the lawyer. Sometimes there are two children, sometimes there are two lawyers. But both people are stuck in this egoic thinking solving process and they are battling calculator to calculator. Their truest, highest selves are like prisoners. They're like witnesses. They're not participating. In other words, your heart is not involved. It's all about the brain. And it's the definition clarity match. So both people are coming from being too identified by their thoughts. And both keep them separated from what will actually make them happy. Because when you're in this thinking process, you can't see the path. You can't see a way out. And things usually get worse. Just like politics or religion Throwing a view at another person that doesn't agree with it gets nowhere. gets both people nowhere. So it's almost like where the court debate starts. It's really about winning based on past cases that provide precedent and eyewitness reports and calling out specific details to prove a point. And all throughout this, the argument escalates all of the different emotional trigger points. So your brain sends all the chemicals to validate your position And also, you've got little mini broken records that are set off just by topics. So things like, you always, that'll trigger a certain type of reaction because it makes you feel blamed like you did when you were a kid. So, your egoic brain is battling based on precedent, and it has nothing to do with the topic at hand. That is what's most important. It's never about the fight. It's about how it's conducted. So it's like a bad pattern, bad computer program or something that runs a looped set of computer files. I know I'm mixing all my metaphors, but it's not about what it's about. how to know the difference? If you find you are not making any progress and you've been here before, that is a big fat red flag that you are stuck in an egoic battle of technicalities. It's... Two computers trying to outsolve one another while they push tons of triggers and sour things like intimacy. So if you get to this point, recognize it. Get out of there. Stat. The sooner the better. Don't engage. Don't follow the lawyer into that maze. Which brings me to the tools part three. So I have, I think, five-ish, six-ish, seven-ish. I can't remember. Some good ones. Numero uno. Turn off the calculator. This is a no-brainer. Step one for everybody. Keep the brain in check, clean it, keep it well oiled, make sure it's not running your body at odd hours of the night. When you're in an empowered rational state, you are in your body, you're not trapped in your mind. You have control over your mind, you can tell it when to quiet down. When this type of discussion and endless argument happens, it's when people get trapped inside the thinking brain, they forget they're separate from it. So here, let's do a test. I'm gonna be quiet for a second and I want you to see if your brain is quiet. Just see if you can allow your mind to be completely empty just for, let's say, 15 seconds. How was it? If your brain started up again, it's just about separating from it. If your brain can't stop chattering, sit back and watch it. That witness is you the one that's watching your thoughts run back and forth across the stage that is your brain. When your mind is not overactive, you will sense when you do not align with the thoughts that are spewing from your brain. You will also have power to dismiss them and avoid unnecessary court battles. And it will also happen a lot less because you will be coming from a different place. You'll be connected by your senses and you can feel a lot more Tolerant, intimate, loving, you can feel how other people are feeling when your brain's not getting in the way of you know analyzing things you can love and be together in complete harmony you don't even have to say a word so ways to better this balance keeping your brain in check include things like physical activities where you're paying attention to your breathing so things like meditation, yoga, any breathing exercises and it trains your focus it also takes control away from your Thinking egoic brain and gives it back to you, the whole person. Also, get enough sleep. So get get into REM sleep. That is going to clean out a lot of the noisy chatter. Resets your brain. So that's number one. Number two, switch cases. This is a fucking awesome tool. This is one of my favorite things in the entire universe. It's for when you get stuck and you hit that point of hopelessness where you're both like, I don't understand how we get out of this. We've tried everything. How come this person doesn't understand how I feel? I'm trying my hardest. How come they're being so insensitive? Like, what book can I buy? This or maybe you're in the opposite state. Maybe you're in the state of like utter agony and you're so offended that they can't give you love and that you're so helpless because they're so, so wrong and you're just devastated by how blind they are. So in that moment of helplessness, whatever it is, try switching cases. You're both lawyers arguing opposite viewpoints. Simply trade them. Take on their viewpoint and then assume their case. So assume they are right. This is not about letting it go. It's not about growing bigger and swallowing the injustice. Nothing to do with that at all. This is not about saying you are wrong. It's a way, it's a tool to welcome in extra information that might help you not feel trapped and hopeless. It's like a way to break through a wall and find a path out. It's just almost like looking at new information. It's like climbing a ladder and looking at more information. So just put yourself in their position and see the logic that they are using and retrace the roots. Look where that logic is coming from. Your brain will be very resistant to this and fight you. You'll be thinking like, I shouldn't have to, because that's, your brain is addicted to the chemicals of feeling pain. But trust me, this is like the quickest path to feeling empowered. It's incredibly helpful and also Soothing your anger. So if you're flooded with anger it returns you to com- a compassionate and calm empowered mindset. It gives you back control over what you would want to do. You become more rational and more importantly it gives you gives your highest self the control. It's like really empowering. Number two. Number three. The mind gets no mouth. So picture a brain and has a mouth and you take the mouth off of it so when you are in the court battle of technicalities there will be a moment of recognition where you see where this is headed you see what's happening and I want you to begin to separate your mind and your mouth they are not connected your mouth cannot be operated by your brain you will know what is best for you despite the fact that your thoughts are in lawyer mode running back and forth at full speed in your brain So what I like to do is step away, like literally physically remove myself from whatever that environment is. For example, go into the bathroom, close the door, stare in the mirror, and talk to yourself from your highest self. Vocalize what you know is your highest goal. Even though your brain is sending you all these messages and chemicals like, you should cry, you're so right. Don't allow your brain, your thinking brain, to speak for you. Revoke access to the weakest process and hand the keys over to your highest self who knows what you really want. It just makes a huge difference when you vocalize it. Suddenly it's real and it'll start to become more true in your actual brain and body. What you'll see is if you start to employ this tool, you will train yourself to have a new reaction, like a new record gets put on the record player in your brain and it's a happy tune. This one's not broken, it's not sad, it's a positive one, and immediately you will not feel upset. It takes a while, it takes a couple rounds of repetition of actually employing this tool, but it gets so much faster, to the point that now, if I ever have this happen to me, I can go into the bathroom for like two or three minutes, and then I'm like, ah, all right, I'm cool now, go back out again. It used to be like, you know, a 15 minute walk, but this works amazingly well, just with use. That's number three. Number four, the mouth goes to the prisoner. So this is just another way to look at the other tool. But if you are in the moments of an egoic takeover of your brain and you are disempowered, you can see all these things happening in your brain where you're like, I need to be right and I want to fight back. There is a rational part of you, your highest self, who's almost like trapped witnessing this broken record play out. And it's almost like you're helpless, like you're watching all of this out. You know, uh uh-oh, I know this is about to lead to this, and I'm going to start crying, or I'm going to be angry. So just use this visualization, and almost picture yourself like this silent witness, the highest self, is able to take the wheel and operate your body despite your thinking brain. So your thoughts will be saying, like, come on, let's win this fight. You're so right. You should storm out of here. They're so wrong. They need to apologize. So you're going to give the mouth to... The silent prisoner that's stuck inside of you and speak aloud what you really want. And this is just like basically talk to yourself. Talk to yourself in private directly and say what you want to have happen in your body. Give that power to yourself by actualizing it with your voice. So, for example, I might say something like, Come on, Sarah, let it go. Put it away till tomorrow. You don't have to do this. Like, it's not that big a deal let it go. Number four. Number five, resolve meaningful issues outside of court. If you're thinking, well, how do I reach resolution? I need to be heard. I want to stop being misunderstood. I want this person to stop doing this thing or it's always offensive when they say this type of thing. This is just a very practical tool, but I want it. I, I would say treat it like a reminder that if you have real relationship issues that need to be resolved, absolutely address them. But figure them out outside of court battles, the loops. Figure out a new path. Try totally different things. Try lots of them. Something else that will work. So, for example, maybe a couples counselor. Uh, you You have to search for a really long time to find a good one. There are gajillions of terrible ones out there. Or things like email. If people are very triggered by physical confrontation or in-person confrontation, sometimes it's easier to bring up issues in a form that's not so confrontational. Or humor. Maybe it's, you know, something that needs to feel like they're not unloved. So you need to remove it from all the pain and just make it way more casual. Or maybe it's something totally different. Maybe a handwritten note that's got hearts all over it, something light and airy. Whatever it is, definitely address your emotion or your relationship issues, but do it in a way that will get you results and that will actually be able to reach a resolution. It is not through this method. Method <clears throat> number five, number six. Beware the chattery lawyer voice. So basically, don't open the door if it's that chattery lawyer voice coming to trap you from your significant other. It's that obnoxious kind of reading notes from a testimony, clarity, annoying semantics. Like you can, you can see it. You can hear the difference. When you start to see that that type of language is coming out of your partner's mouth, stand down, don't take the bait, try and get out of the room, don't say much. Love and communicate physically because you do not want to engage in this court battle. You can see that they are occupied more In their egoic mind, maybe they had a really stressful day. Maybe they haven't slept enough. When you hear that, I didn't mean that actually, because you said that I was just trying to say that it's like stand down, get out of there, stat. And number seven, the stoner. (laughs) So if you're thinking, but they are the ones who are making me fight. There, it's not me. I try and step peacefully away. They're the instigator, et cetera, et cetera. Then your power lies in how you participate. You don't have to incriminate yourself to get out of a battle. You can just step out of it in a way that doesn't fulfill the other half necessary to argue. So just picture yourself like a stoner with a smile. Your job is to be calm, peaceful, a presence, but a presence who can't and won't fight. (laughs) So instead of fulfilling the other half of the court battle, respond with a lack of engagement, but still loving and kind still peaceful and loving and kind. So picture you're just like a smiling hippie. Even when you feel hurt and accused, you absolutely have control over your reaction. You choose how someone is allowed to make you feel. And you don't have to contribute to this fight. That is your greatest power always, how you react. So if a person is accusing you of something and they are wrong, the instinct is to explain your side back, to be seen and heard and not be wrong. But that's That's boring man, it's not not helpful. So just think of it like you are this loving presence who just doesn't have any interest in this conversation. And try and change the subject. Change it to something positive or something in front of you. Something, it helps if it's a surprise that changes the energy of the conversation. Wow, look at this cantaloupe, isn't this pretty? Or, oh man, I think I left my car unlocked. I don't know. I sound like a stoner. But something that's going to zag the expected response that the person is aiming to get out of you. I know this is a really hard one if people corner you and get in your face, and it will take some strong conviction in you to not take the bait, to just think stoner. Nothing around can affect you. You're still present. You're not completely shutting off, but you are not engaging. As an aside, if you are shutting off completely and not saying anything, that too is aggressive. It's a fighting tool. It's not a nice one. So despite how you perceive it to be, maybe you believe it's passive, it's actually a very unfair tactic and it usually enrages people more. So don't use it if you're looking to make peace because it hurts others a lot and they usually react by acting more childish. So Remember your goal is to get to the more important things like love. In closing, I'm writing this because it's something I wanted to plant in your mind more than anything else. The most important part of this is simple awareness. Because once you are aware, you will be able to separate from the process if it happens. The sooner you can back out, the better. Because fewer old emotional patterns will be triggered. So keep that in the back of your mind. And You'll begin to see that this is not you. It's not what you want. And you don't have to participate in it. Or at the very least, it will inspire you to begin your own personal search for a method of getting out of it. Because, yeah, it's really hard. It's really hard, especially because it involves a partner and it's tangled up with things like confidence and our feelings about our self worth. So, this is really about growing more confident by not engaging your own weak fears and. Taking hits to the ego because you know the ego is not the most important thing in this. It's worth it because you are both as a couple trying to find methods that you can use to get out of these annoying lame lawyer computer battles. You'll be able to spot them and head the other way the more you try and practice tools like this. In a couple, the goal is to support one another and challenge one another. And we are there to help one another grow. And we choose a mate based on our potential for growth. It's also how we choose co-workers. What can this person create in me? Blah. What can this person create in me? What can I create in them? How can we inspire one another? So bringing out the best in others is the most rewarding part of being human. It's what makes us feel great about ourselves and makes us want to be better. It's not Winning or showing the other person they're wrong. That makes us feel pretty terrible in general to degrade another human. So the goal is never to be right. That keeps disconnect alive. You want to eradicate all of the things that get in the way of love. All the stupid unnecessary shit that keeps your, you both from being happy together. So This is a process that takes constant attention. But if you build the right tools and you use them and you avoid the danger zones as best as you can, resetting to peace gets a whole lot faster. And with that, you get a lot happier. How awesome is that to work on something together as a couple and see it at work? It's awesome, it's wonderful. It'll make you feel like the most empowered super couple ever. So with that, I send you my love. And if you know somebody who needs this, like a couple who fights constantly, there's a good chance they're not even aware of it. So please share it. Smile.